As we approach Christmas and reflect on the birth of Jesus during this season of Advent, I want to take a look at a character from the Bible who is preparing for the birth of Jesus as well. So I want to start by playing a game of Guess Who. Maybe you've played this before, but I just want to give you a few clues about who this person is. And then as you're uh, with your families or even in the chat, why don't you try to guess who this person is? So I got five clues for you this morning. So the first one is this. This person was marked by obedience. The second one is this person had a deep reverence, trust, and love for the Lord. At this point, you're probably thinking that could be anyone. Uh, the third clue is this person did not hesitate in following God's voice, second guess him, or doubt the Lord. Fourth clue is this person's fear of God was greater than his fear of man. And the fifth clue is he chose to obey God at the cost of his own reputation. So if you haven't guessed it by this point, uh, the person I'm talking about is Joseph, the earthly father of Jesus. So we often don't hear a lot about this character of Joseph, really. But as, as we see in scripture, Joseph is a man of character who listened to the voice of God and obeyed immediately. So let's take a look at some key moments from Joseph's part in the Christmas story. I basically want to go through um, in, in the book of Matthew, what are the top five highlights from Joseph's life? Almost like TSN top five or something. Uh, we're going to go chronologically though. So as they happened in the book of Matthew, uh, what were the highlights from Joseph's life? We're going to start in Matthew chapter one, verses 18 to 19. So if you're at home and you got your Bibles, now's the time to stand up in honor of God's word as we, as we read it this morning. So Matthew 1, 18 to 19 says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. So you might be thinking, okay, how, how is a, a highlight of Joseph's life the fact that he wanted to divorce Mary? How, how is it a good thing? Well, we have to understand that uh, betrothal at this time was actually considered, um, the partners were considered husband and wife at this point, even though they weren't legally married. And so if you wanted to uh, separate or annul that betrothal, you actually had to go through a formal process of divorce. Now, uh, with betrothal, even though they were considered husband and wife, uh, sexual relations wouldn't be had until they were actually married. And so at this point, Joseph thinks, hey, Mary's actually committed adultery on me. And so he would have been angry. He would have been hurt. And if you guys remember from uh, John chapter 8, the woman caught in adultery, under the law, uh, she could have been stoned to death. But Joseph, kind of foreshadowing the grace of Christ, he decides rather than taking it out that way, he wants, he wants to extend grace and he wants to resolve this quietly. And so even though you know, he, had, uh, he had the right to have Mary put to death, he chose to resolve this quietly. And so this shows his character, that he was a just man, that he was an upright man, and that he didn't want to bring shame to Mary. And so this is an example for us. When we're hurt by others, do we try to publicly shame the other person and harm their reputation? Or do we resolve to settle things quietly like Joseph did? He was a man of integrity. The second highlight here is from Matthew 1:20 and 24 to 25. So the very next verse here, 
Matthew 1, 20, this is what it says. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And then jumping to verse 24, when Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son and he called his name Jesus. So Joseph decides to take Mary as his wife. And why is this significant? Well, he's learned, hey, there's new information. Mary actually didn't cheat on him, but uh, this, this conception was due to the Holy Spirit. Now, this was significant though, because everyone else still would have just seen, hey, Mary's pregnant, you guys are betrothed, and Joseph must have impregnated Mary out of wedlock. And there would have been shame associated with that. But Joseph, he chose to endure through whatever judgment he may have faced because favor with God was greater than his desire for favor with man. He was willing to be misunderstood. He was willing to have his own reputation compromised for following the truth and pursuing God in this. And so we can learn from Joseph's example here because part of what it means to follow Christ is living for an audience of one as Joseph did. And this comes at a cost to our reputation though. Are we willing to be misunderstood by the masses, perhaps even by our families or our closest friends to live in obedience to the Lord? Are we okay with judgment, rumors and rejection as we pursue Christ? Because it's part of what we sign up for when we make a decision to follow Jesus because not everyone's gonna understand. Not everyone's going to have the same convictions that we do. We may endure through hardships and difficulties and uh, people talking behind our backs, or we may lose friendships because of our faith. And Joseph was a man who wanted to please the Lord in all of his pursuits. And so he was willing to do with being misunderstood. So I ask you, is your fear of God greater than your fear of man? Or is your fear of man greater than your fear of God? Before we get into the third highlight from Joseph's life, I just wanna give you some context. So Joseph decides to marry Mary and Jesus is then born. He's born in Bethlehem and Herod is the king who's reigning at that time. Now some wise men come and they wanna visit Jesus. And so they come to Herod and they say, hey, where, where can we find Jesus, this, this king of the Jews that has been born? And as the king, Herod starts to become jealous and he asks the wise men, hey, I actually don't know where he is, but when you find him, can you tell me where he is so I can come and worship him? This was just really a cover um, because Herod wanted to protect his throne. He was, he was jealous uh, with Jesus being called King of the Jews. So the wise men, they end up finding Jesus. They spend some time with him. They give some gifts to Jesus and they don't return to Herod after being warned in a dream. And so now we pick up the third highlight in Matthew chapter two, verse 13, it says this. Now, when they had departed, that's the wise men, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, out of Egypt, I called my son. So here's an example where Joseph, he hears the Lord's voice through an angel in a dream. 
and he obeys. He doesn't question, he doesn't hesitate, he doesn't doubt. He just hears and he obeys. He listens and he follows through. Now what happens during this time that they're in Egypt is Herod decides to start killing all the male children in Bethlehem, two years old or younger, in hopes of claiming Jesus' life during this infanticide. So Mary and Joseph, they're still in Egypt. And then we see in Matthew 2, verse 19 to 21, this is what it says. But when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, rise, take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel. For those who sought the child's life are dead. And he rose and took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. So again, Joseph hears and he obeys. And then we see in the very next verse, this is the, the fifth highlight here in Matthew 2.22. says, but when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee. So yet again, Joseph hears and he obeys the Lord. The thing about Joseph is he, he's a quiet man. In the scriptures, we actually don't see Joseph say anything. Um, he just listens and he obeys. And what a contrast from Israel, who they were either deaf to God's voice in the Old Testament, or they didn't care to obey him. But Joseph, he didn't argue. He just followed trusting the Lord. I love this quote by Walter Wongren about Joseph. He says, because the evangelists, speaking about the gospel writers, because the evangelists say so little about him, each word must bear enormous importance. Joseph is an upright man. For raising his child, Papa Joseph shall be a very model of a righteous man. Not so much in what he says as in what he does. So here we just, we understand this cliche of our, our actions speak louder than our words. Joseph was the epitome of the word pivot. This is the word of 2020, and I almost feel weird saying it because it's overused, but this is what we see in Matthew 1 and 2, that God would ask him to do something and he'd just follow, you know, move, stop, do this, do that. And without skipping a beat, Joseph just follows. His reaction time was quick. He didn't hesitate. He didn't question. He didn't doubt God's voice. He trusted and he obeyed. And this kind of reaction time reminds me of something that I've, I've seen recently. I'm sure all of us, we've started watching uh, a new TV show at some point during the pandemic, and I'm no different. TV show that I started watching a few weeks ago was uh, actually the Formula One Drive to Survive TV show. I'm not sure if you've seen it. If you haven't, it's really good. Uh, I'm becoming a Formula One fan. Now, if you don't know what Formula One is, it's the most competitive motorsport in the world. Uh, cars that go, you know, upwards of 300 kilometers an hour racing around a track, and it's fun to watch. But Formula One drivers, they have to have quick reaction times because they don't know what's going to happen. They don't know if the car in front of them is going to crash and they have to swerve around, or they don't know if they're going to have to slam on the brakes or just trying to make passes so they can get ahead of other cars, they have to have quick reaction time. And so during this, this one episode that I was watching of this TV show, they had this machine. So I think we've got a picture of it right, right here, or maybe it's here, I don't know, I hope it's up there. But uh, what would happen is on this machine, there's buttons and they would stand in front of this machine and then the buttons would light up and you have to hit them as quick as you can. And so as they light up, 
It's, it's counting the amount of time before you hit the buttons. And so this is an exercise that helps these Formula One drivers gain quicker reaction time. Now, I just think what an example for us of what, is, what does our reaction time look like if we use that example? Um, are we quick to hit the buttons of God's voice? When he speaks, are we quick to respond? Because this is, this is something that Joseph did. And this is part of what made him such a suitable servant and candidate to be Jesus' earthly father, is that he listened and he obeyed. So I ask you, what is your reaction time like when the Lord speaks? Now, I include myself in these questions when I ask, but are you the excuser who jumps to various reasons why you actually don't need to follow the Lord after he's clearly spoken to you, so you don't react at all? Are you the procrastinator who thinks about it for a few months or a few weeks before you obey, so your reaction time is slow? Or are you the fighter who you get angry with God when he asks you to obey, and so you, you actually overreact? Now, it's an entirely different conversation if we don't know the voice of God or we can't seem to hear his voice. And I empathize with that. I just wanna take a moment to say, there are seasons where God feels incredibly distant and who knows why. Maybe he's testing us. Maybe there's something we need to confess that's getting in the way of hearing his voice. But sometimes we just simply don't know the reason why. But quite often, speaking from my own experience, we don't hear God's voice because we actually don't make the time to listen. Joseph humbly listened. He knew God's voice and he obeyed. But more often than we'd like to admit, we don't have ears to hear what the Lord is saying. And so I wanna to submit to you, what are the inputs in your life? Because if we're spending all of our time listening to Spotify, or every night watching Netflix, or every afternoon browsing through Amazon, like for Black Friday deals, or maybe that's just your regular day looking on Amazon for deals. Or if you're, we're looking at articles on the news on our phones or watching the news and that consumes our time, or if we're endlessly scrolling on social media, those are inputs that are primarily the voice of the world. Yes, God can use those to glorify himself, but those are primarily voices of the world. And if those are the voices that we make room for, slowly we become deaf to the voice of the Holy Spirit if we don't make time for him. Now, I tell you, I know my Spotify playlist so well, I know which song's coming after the, the previous one. As soon as one song is ending, I'm already starting to hum the next song that's queued up because I've listened to it so many times. And I know for some of you, you know TV shows so well, you can quote them, uh, you know them deeply. Now, how many of us can say that about the word of God or discerning his voice? What if we had the same level of acuity with God's voice? We hear something and we're like, yeah, that's God's character. Or yeah, that's, that's rooted in his word. Or no, that, that's a lie. That's actually the enemy speaking. This kind of voice recognition can only come as we spend time with the Lord. And it takes practice to listen well. So if we want to hear God's voice, we need to put down the remote, the headphones, the keyboard, the iPhone, and create space to seek God in the word, 
in prayer, in worship, fasting, silence, just to name a few spiritual disciplines and believe that God primarily speaks through his word. He's already given us the Old and the New Testament, 66 books where he, he's spoken to us through his revelation. And so as we spend time in the word, we're gonna, we're gonna better discern God's voice. Now, as I said earlier, for some of us, the challenge isn't that we can't hear God, but instead we know what the Lord has said, but we remain passive. We listen, but we don't obey. And Sam spoke to this idea back in October, I believe, in our James series, when he was talking about, you know, are we, are we just gonna be hearers of the word only, or are we also going to be doers of the word? Because it's not enough to just hear and know the word of God, but we actually have to move that into action and follow it up with doing the word. So I close by asking a couple of questions. What is God saying to you? How do you need to respond? Joseph was available to become Jesus' earthly father because he was a man of character and he was obedient to the Lord. When I think of Jesus' words, well done, good and faithful servant, I think of Joseph. Joseph was a man who, he set a good example. The condition of his heart was pleasing to the Lord as a man who had character, who listened to God's voice and obeyed. His heart was a hospitable place for the Lord. And so I ask you, God is looking for humble people, for those who are hungry for him, those who are available. And so I ask you, is your heart a hospitable place for Christ? Are you steerable like Joseph was? When God speaks, will you obey? We don't have our own agenda, but we simply want to follow our master. So how can you prepare your heart for Christ this Christmas? Let me pray. Lord, we thank you for the example of Joseph, a man of great character and a man who discerned your voice. He knew your voice and then he followed it up with obedience. God, would you teach us the same? We want to be those who are available to you, to be used by you. God, that comes from knowing your voice and then following, Lord. Not putting up a fight, uh, not procrastinating, not delaying, Lord, but, but following you. So God, I pray that you would mold our hearts to become more like that of Joseph. And God, for any of us who are maybe struggling to hear your voice, where this has been a particularly tough season in, in our faith, I just pray that you would you would break through barriers and that you would just speak, Lord. Would people be able to hear your voice? Would you speak in ways that people can understand? We know you're gentle and you're loving and full of grace. So God, I just pray that as we hear your voice, as we give space to lean into you and know your voice better than we know the voice of the world, we know what you're asking us to do and will we follow. In your name we pray, amen.